Hey, good morning and welcome to the Church of Three Trails. Hey, Pastor Brian here and we're continuing our series on James today by really jumping into a hotly debated uh, topic uh, or section of scripture. Matter of fact, in the past, I've even had some individuals tell me that they don't believe, uh, matter of fact, there are some theologians who even said this at one point, they don't believe that James belongs in the Bible because it doesn't really bring up any mention of Jesus and things like that. But what I want you to do, and I want, I want to encourage you to grab your Bibles, turn to James chapter 2. See, James chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 14, probably some of the most popular verses for some, for others, some of the most inter misinterpreted verses that I believe the misinterpretation has led to some confusion, some chaos, maybe even some doubt for others. Some say Paul preaches this gospel of faith that by, by grace uh, through faith alone, while James is preaching this idea of this gospel of works. And what I want you to see is that in reality, they go hand in hand. As a matter of fact, it's, it's critical to understand this passage if you're going to be able to maximize your spiritual experience, especially as you face trials. Remember, we're jumping back to James chapter 1, where we see that all of us are going to face trials. As a matter of fact, he says to consider it pure joy. So if you have your Bibles, if you have your device, I want to encourage you. James chapter 2, starting in verse 14. I'm going to read the first three verses, and we're going to jump into kind of this main idea. In order for us to understand the argument that's taking place that James is making, that he's not arguing that works must be added to faith in order to be saved. And so listen to what he says, James chapter 2, starting in verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is not accompanied, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And so here's what I want to do. Matter of fact, we're coming to you today from my garage. Listen, I love to work in the garage. I love to work outside. Matter of fact, yesterday I rotated the tires on my truck. Uh, and, and it's just one of those things. I've grown up working on cars. I love to be handy as much as I can. But I want you to think about it this way. For a lot of people, a garage is more or less just a glorified storage unit. You know, we pack it full of all kinds of things, and it kind of plays out this way. A lot of people go to church for a lot of years, and they keep packing it full and full. They go buy things, and they listen to sermons. They sit in Bible study classes, and they get all of this knowledge. They begin to collect all of this knowledge, but the problem is they never put it into action. And likewise, a lot of times people get a lot of stuff and they store up the stuff. Matter of fact, I've seen some neighbors and people as I drive by, I see their garages stacked to the brim. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're that person who's like, you know, that's my garage. You know, you're, you're describing my garage. For me, my garage is like a, a safe haven. It's a, it's a sanctuary to get away, but it's, a, it's also an opportunity for me to work. It's an opportunity for me to work on my vehicles. It's an opportunity for me to, to, to work on my house, to set out things, to use my saws, my tools, and different things like that to update and maintain our house. And so what I believe is this, it's critical. This section of scripture is critical for us to understand that James 
and Paul are not competing against each other, but I believe wholeheartedly are united or unified in the message that they're trying to communicate just in very different ways. And so what I want you to see is this, that James is not arguing that works must be added to faith, but rather his point is that genuine faith or a biblical faith will inevitably be characterized by works. In other words, that our faith, that as we're growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ, that our faith is played out in what we do, in the works we perform, because God is changing and molding and making us and working in us. And so as a result, we do good works from that. So I want you to keep this in mind. Matter of fact, I'm going to jump back to James chapter 1 because I believe James chapter 1 verses 19 through 20 are kind of the pivotal verse, the thesis verse, where he says everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. All right? We have to understand that this is the part that James, I believe, is focusing on. We're still needing to be quick to listen. And if we jump into James chapter 1, verse 22, again, remember he says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but rather be doers of the word. So James here jumps into James chapter 2, starting in verse 14, and he basically is trying to highlight this idea of being a quick listener means that we're doing the word. We are obediently putting into action what God has laid forth for us to do in his word. As a matter of fact, again, going back to James and Paul, I love this quote. I'm going to read it to you so you can understand this. But Tony Evans says this, that Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, where he says that that is by grace you've been saved through faith, not by works so that no one can boast. All right. That when we see it out, Paul is explaining how sinners become saints, whereas James is explaining how saints become sanctified. Paul is explaining how you go from heaven to earth, and James is explaining how you get heaven down to earth. Paul is explaining how you determine where you're going to spend eternity, while James is explaining, listen to this, how you begin to experience eternity while waiting on getting there. See, I believe that there is something that most of us miss out on. And what we miss out on is just the experience that God wants to do in and through us, through the works that he wants to accomplish in and through us. In other words, if I take all the knowledge I have and I only hold on to it and I don't put it into action, then I believe we miss out on the greatest experience that God wants to do in us. And that's to see how God works in us through his spirit, through obedience to his word, and how as, as we walk in obedience, we experience God more and more every day. So here's the key topic. Here's the main point. If you remember anything else, I want you to remember this, that works are a key factor in our growth and they're vital to our Christian faith. Works are a key factor in our growth, in our maturity, and they are vital to the Christian faith in each and every one of us. So if you claim to be a believer, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, then the reality is that our works are a key factor in our growth. Not in our salvation, but our works are a result of our salvation. So here's my question that I ask and I believe we're going to answer. What's the big deal about an active faith? What is the big deal about an active faith? Here's number one. Faith without works 
is useless in maturing in the Christian walk. In other words, faith without works is useless in my maturing in my Christian walk. If I have only faith and no works, then my maturity isn't going to rise to the top. Again, jump into James chapter uh, 1, starting in verse 14, he says that. Listen again what he says. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no Deed. See, the reality is, or the story is, there are some, likely in the group that have been dispersed because of persecution, because of the trials and stuff they were facing, that they were saying, look, I've got great faith, but I'm not going to live that out. Maybe you're trying to hide or, or keep it a low profile or, or whatever it is. And what James wants them to understand is the story. There is likely some who believed, but they weren't living the faith out. Listen, listen to me very carefully and cautiously, because I, I know that this can come across hard at times. There are a lot of people who attend church, who have been going to Sunday school for years, maybe been involved in small groups, who would say, listen, I believe that Jesus is the way. I've put my faith and trust in Jesus, but you're not experiencing everything that God wants you to experience. Because when you face the trials and the struggles and the temptations, you don't look to obedience. You look to trying to be wise by worldly standards. Listen, this whole idea of being quick to listen, this whole idea of putting God's word into action is what leads us to experience everything he says. So he says, what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith, but he has no deeds? Can such a faith save him? Now, here's what he says, all right? Listen, listen to this example he gives. Suppose a brother is without clothes and daily food. So, so here's, here's the story. These Christians are dispersed. They are spread out. They've lost homes. They've lost livelihoods and things like that. A brother is in need of some food. And this brother shows up and he says, look, this is a, this is a fellow believer. This is not just talking about somebody who's just poor. This is a fellow believer within the body there. And he shows up. He needs food. And here's, here's, the, here's the struggle. The guy basically says, hey, that's great. You need food. Why don't we have a prayer meeting? Now, what a brother needs there at that point, what a friend needs there at that point is not necessarily prayer. While prayer is vital, prayer is, is necessary, what that brother needs at that point is what? Food. You know, he needs, he needs a, a steak. He needs some, some love. He needs some tacos, whatever it is that, that that person is in need of at that point, he needs some food. He needs to be able to grow in that aspect. He has to have something that is a provision that is a need for his life. Listen again what he says. If one of you says, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? So keep in mind, this is a believer, a brother in the house of, of, of that group, in that church, that local church that James is basically serving and committed to serving to. And, the, and this person, this believer, just basically says, hey, go and be well fed. In other words, I'm not going to help you out. I'm just going to pray for you. Now listen, again, this is not a knock on prayer, but the whole idea is this. That if a brother comes to me in a need, in a situation like that, and I neglect it, or I turn away, or I just say, hey, you know, I'm going to pray for you, then that's this idea that my faith is not being put into actions. Because together, we come together to love on, to support, to encourage. So when a brother faces a difficult situation, I can help provide the need, listen to me, a need, not a want. This is a need that this guy has, a need, not a want, so that I am putting my faith into actions. Listen, 
All throughout scripture, we see this, that when brothers unite together and take care of each other, we see a benefit both for the person getting served and for the one doing the serving. So, I believe wholeheartedly we have to begin to put our faith in the action. This brother doesn't need prayer, but he needs food. He needs a good meal. Now listen, here's what I want you to understand. Going back to the garage, you know, I, I love working here. I work on my, on, on my cars, like I said. I work on different things like that, but I love having my, my, my time out here. But I want you to understand this, that if I use this only as a storage facility, then I begin to understand that I hold on to these things and I never put it into action. I don't take out what I'm, what I'm, what I'm putting in. In other words, I, I put it in, but I don't put it into action. And some of us are guilty, literally, of doing that. We're guilty of wasting our time. We show up 40, 50 weeks out of the year. We sit, we soak in sermons, we sit in classes, but yet at the same time, we don't put anything into action. So we've got these garages of faith filled with a bunch of stuff that we've never put into action. We have, we have the right info, we have the right information is going on, and, and we're not producing the right action in our lives. And so what we begin to see is that faith without works is useless in maturing or in growing in the Christian walk. In other words, I need to put my faith into action if I am supposed to grow. One of the things I believe that most people miss out on is if you're not putting your faith into actions, then you're not going to grow to be everything that God created you to be. It's just not going to happen. You're going to miss out on opportunities that God wants to show his goodness and his greatness. You're going to miss out on the, the ability and the blessing of watching God work in you and through you because you're going to say, oh, I can't do it when God says, no, you can do it through me. So faith without works is useless in maturing or growing. Why? Because we need faith with works. Faith is trusting Jesus as the sole way to salvation. Works is letting Jesus work in me to accomplish his kingdom work through me. Matter of fact, I want to jump into point number two. What's the big deal about an act of faith? Number two is this, that faith with works is essential to a believer's life. Now, I, I have to go back. I got a kind of a funny illustration. I can have faith that my car is going to last for 300,000 miles, all right? Can have faith in that. Now, and it may, if maintained properly, if worked properly, if it's taken care of, if used in a proper form or proper fashion, and even if tuned up and cared for. So as I think about kind of this idea with my garage and using my tools, and I have my toolbox over here, that I have all the tools I need to do the maintenance and, and the tune-ups and everything that I can do on my car, faith with works is essential to believer's life. Now, I use this illustration to show you something. Matter of fact, probably about, I don't know, probably about 15 years ago, I was working for my dad, um, probably even longer than that because it was back when I was in college. And we had a lady show up at our shop. We had a diesel repair shop working on semis. And anyway, this lady shows up with an Isuzu Rodeo. Um, no big deal, but she says, hey, I think I need my oil changed. And I was like, okay, what, what makes you think that? She goes, well, I've never had it done before. And I said, oh, okay, so it's a newer car. And she goes, well, no, not really. And I said, no, not really. What, like, what, how many miles do you have on this car? She goes, well, it's like 75,000 miles. And I was like, you've never had the oil changed on your car before? She goes, no, when it gets low, I just put new oil in it. <laughs> and I'm like, for those of you who are mechanically minded, you're like, oh, my gosh, what is this lady's problem? First of all, she's from Colorado. 
<laughs> now, for those from Colorado, just ignore that comment. But it's kind of a joke for those of us who are from Wyoming. But I want you to think about this, all right? For 75,000 miles, she drove a car without maintaining it or tuning it up. Now, when I went to pull the oil pan plug, which I did pull the oil pan plug, it was a slow, gooey gulp of bloop, bloop, junk that just kind of slowly came out. So we drained the oil and we changed the filter. We put a new filter on, we put new oil on, we had her sign a waiver or release. And we also told her, we're like, look, when you get back home, you need to change the oil again. Because the thought was it's gonna work out a bunch of the junk, the sludge that was probably built up inside that engine and it's gonna clog her filter, great possibility it could create more problems. But I want you to think about it this way, that faith with works is essential to believer's life. As I'm putting my faith into practice, into works, there are things that I have to do to maintain, to build it up, to, to take care of it, to tune up and things like that. If all I do is pour new oil in without dumping or changing the old stuff out, without putting on a new filter, without putting my faith into actions, then what I'm going to get is a faith that doesn't work down the road. It's going to be a faith that's going to begin to slow down and eventually it's going to stop. In other words, like I said, faith without works is useless in maturing, but when I put my faith into actions, I'm maturing and growing. A lot of us struggle. The reason we struggle is this. We're not putting our faith into actions. Faith with works is essential in the believer's life. God wants to work in a great way. As a matter of fact, listen to what he says. Verse 18. But some of you will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Here's, here's what I want you to understand. I can have faith that my car is going to last for 300,000 miles. But if I don't put in the work, if I don't put in the time to tune up and maintain and care for my car, it's not going to last. And likewise, if I don't put it into action, my faith into action immediately, it is not going to last. It doesn't mean you're going to lose your salvation. What I do mean is this. There are a lot of people who are not growing, who are not maturing. And the reason you're not growing, you're not maturing is because you're not putting your faith into actions. You're not allowing those tests and trials as God's working to them for you to walk in obedience to God and let God raise you up and, and deliver you and bless you through those things, but rather you're focused solely on trying to maintain what the world says to do. Now listen, what we have to begin to understand here in James chapter 2 is this. There is a person who's kind of being combative with James here, starting in verse 18 and really going through 19. And he's basically saying this, show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by what I do. All right. But James is trying to call out this gentleman. Matter of fact, he's going to call him out in verse 20. He's going to call him a foolish man. And what you have to begin to understand is this, that I have to put faith in into action or faith with works in order for my life to grow into what God wanted me to do. See, here's the truth of the matter. What we're seeing here is this, that the, the view that the demons have is a correct theology. Listen again what it says. It says, you believe there's one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and they shudder. So here's what's going on. They view or the view that the demons have a, a correct view, a correct theology, a correct orthodox view, but it's not an act of faith. As a matter of fact, Satan knows 
who God is. Satan has faith that God is who he is, that God is going to be the one who reigns forever and ever. Satan has that faith, but it's not an active faith that puts his belief into actions. Why? Because his actions are contrary to the very faith that God is working out in our lives. And sometimes that's us. Our faith is contrary to what God is working out. We have faith in everything else. So, They know the facts about God, but their belief adds up to nothing. The demons believe in this whole idea, but they are not afraid. Literally, it says they they shudder. You believe there's one God good. Even the demons believe that and shudder, but their faith is not an active faith. They know the facts about God, but their belief adds up to nothing. There is no relationship between what a person believes versus what a person does. That's the idea played out here, that I may believe something, but what I believe, if there's no relationship to what I believe and what I do, then it's not an active faith. It's not a growing faith. It's not a maturing faith. As a matter of fact, faith and works are not a special gift that a Christian may or may not have. Neither is an option. You must have faith and works. Only when works are seen is there a genuine saving faith. They go hand in hand. Now, here's how we play this out. That we understand biblically that faith is, or, or you are saved by grace through faith alone. So we understand this whole salvation idea comes by grace. The grace of Jesus Christ is not earned. I can't work for that. It is by grace through faith. But a saving faith is also seen that by faith, all right, or through faith, we continue to do the works, to be obedient to what God has called us to do because that shows a saving faith. Faith and works are not special gifts. They go hand in hand. Faith and works. That's what's played out here is this whole idea of a faith in action. James wants his believers to know this. You can claim to be saved. You can claim to be a follower of Jesus. But if your faith and your actions don't line up, there's no growing faith. There's no maturity. And when we face trials, when we face struggles, when we face the difficulties that we're going to face, that our faith needs to be put into action. So we're going to jump into that. All right. In the next section, we're going to see those who had a faith that is thrust into action. And as a result of that, listen, number three, faith with works brings great benefit to our lives. Now, he's going to jump in. He's going to have two illustrations here, one from the Old Testament, or really both from the Old Testament, sorry. But I want you to understand that we can learn and we can grow through this. This is what he says in verse 20. Faith with works, all right, number three, faith with works brings great benefit to our lives. Keeping this in mind, our main point, that works are a key factor in our growth and they're vital to the Christian faith. Works are a key factor in our growth and they're vital to our Christian faith. So faith with works brings great benefit to our lives. And what we're going to see that played out here is in the stories of Abraham and Rahab. Listen to verse 20. It says, you foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working, listen to this, together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. This is what he's saying. 
that our faith is completed, it is matured, it is growing, it is made complete by what we do. Our faith is made complete, it is brought to full a full benefit, it's a full portion. Faith must be married to our works in order to produce an offspring of growth in my life. So we begin to understand that. And so listen, it is through the justification by works that we experience with God or that our experience with God is evident to others. We want to show others our faith. We do it through the works. In other words, through our obedience and our obedience to what God has called us to do, that we're obedient to God and his word. See, Abraham was obedient to what God had called him to do. Abraham was saved in Genesis chapter 15, but in Genesis chapter 22, Abraham's faith was tested. He rises up during this great test. As a matter of fact, as a result of his works, his faith was perfected. But I want you to understand this, that obedience to God in all areas, including works, leads to a growing, building, and maturing faith. We build our faith. We grow our faith. Our faith is matured as we put it into action. See, here's the reality. Abraham was tested. Remember James chapter 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And he talks about this whole idea. And then we're tested that when, when we, uh, <clears throat> sorry, let me jump back here. Perseverance must finish with work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That when we face those tests, when we face those trials, we know that the testing of our faith develops perseverance. And that perseverance must finish this work so that we may be mature. So Abraham steps into the situation. He is tested by God. He is told to kill his son Isaac in Genesis chapter 22. And a lot of us will go, oh my gosh, what are you kidding me? Abraham finally has a son after 90 some years and God tests him and says, I want you to kill Isaac and offer him. This is a huge trial. This is a huge test. But when he offered his son as a result of his faith, as a result of his works, his faith was perfected. In other words, when he offered up his son as a result of his works, in other words, he takes his son Isaac up on Mount Moriah and he's going to offer him as a sacrifice. And as he's getting ready to offer him as a sacrifice, his works, the reality is that his faith was perfected and God at that point stops it. God at that point provides the ram or the, the, the ram in the thicket. And, and at that point, Abraham's faith is perfected, is growing. He is put into action the faith that he believed. You know, here's the truth of that story. If you go back to Genesis chapter 22, when Abraham is leaving and he tells the, 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 the servants to stay there, that, that he's going to take Isaac and they're going to go off. If you'll notice in Genesis chapter 22, he says, after we have worshiped, we will be back. It's this idea that Abraham knew that God was going to provide, but Abraham put into action the faith that he believed God was calling him to do. And in that test, Abraham's faith was perfected. It grew. Here's the struggle most of us have. He may be going to give you a trial. God is going to give you the trial to see if you have the right works to go along with your faith. Here's what I oftentimes see you happening in our lives. Is that when the trial comes, the works go out the door. We claim faith, but when we have to put our faith into actions, it's gone. 
And so as a result, we don't experience everything that God wants us to do. Until you're willing to do your works and obey God all the way, you will not see God enter into or grow you to the point that God has for you until you put your faith into actions. See, Abraham was justified by his works here, but this whole idea of being played out is that Abraham's justification by works was a result of his faith, that God was going to provide a way. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of times there's this argument of justification by faith and justification by works. But if you have your Bibles, you can flip over to Ephesians chapter 2. As you flip over to Ephesians chapter 2, I want you to see that I believe there are two types of faith that play out. There's this just or two types of justification. There's this justification by faith. That's the point of salvation. Justification by faith. Ephesians 2, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. God's grace. Not by works, all right? For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So by grace through faith is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. So there's this justification by faith, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, where God accepts you as his child. But then, listen to this, there's this justification by works because this is what he says. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. In other words, once we are in Christ Jesus, we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared for in, uh, prepared in advance for us to do. So this whole idea is this. That a faith without works or a faith that is not put into actions is useless and dead. That we can claim to have faith. We can stuff our brains with all kinds of knowledge and wisdom. Boxes of knowledge and wisdom. Just like a garage would be as as a hoarder who just continues to pack things away. And we never use it for the reason it was intended to be used in the first place. And that is to maintain, to grow, to mature to step up, to follow what God has called us to do. And so number four, I want you to remember this. Remember we said that works are a key factor in our growth and they're vital to the Christian life. So what is the big deal about an act of faith? Number four is this, that faith without works is like life without the Spirit. You know, every funeral I've done, there's a reality that there is a body there with no life in it. And what we begin to see, starting in verse 26, if you follow in James chapter 26, he says this, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So here's what we have to begin to understand, that faith without works results in the death of the believer's life. Now, it doesn't mean you're losing your salvation. What it means here is this that most of us, our faith may not be maturing because the reason it's not maturing is because we're not putting our faith into actions. As he says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. If you're not putting your faith into actions, it begins to die. It begins to wither. It's kind of like a plant. That plant is planted in, 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 in soil that needs nutrients and water and things like that. But if you don't water that plant, if you don't water that faith, if you don't put that faith into actions, you can have all the faith that that plant's going to grow, but if you don't do what is necessary for it to grow, it's going to wilt, it's going to wither. 
And likewise, the thing that keeps the body living, when we see this here, is faith without deeds is just like a body without the spirit. That the thing that keeps the body living is no longer in it. Likewise, if we don't put our faith into actions, that faith begins to wilt, it begins to wither, it begins to die. And so when tests and trials come, we're not able to stand up. We're, we're, we're struggle to be obedient to what God has called us to do. That's why I believe that when trials and temptations come and you haven't put your faith into actions in the past, it's even harder to put your faith into actions when a trial and temptation comes. That's why we have to commit to wholeheartedly be sold out to be obedient to God no matter the cost in every circumstance and in every situation. If you're living a defeated life rather than a victorious life, it's not that you've never had life, but that what keeps spiritual life working is no longer operating. In other words, I have to put it into actions. Again, I go back to this whole idea. Salvation begins Ephesians chapter 2, 8, 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not by works. But then as a result of that salvation, God created for us or God created in us through Christ Jesus to do good works. See, the simple truth is this, that many of us are waiting for the blessings that God is going to delay until we exercise or put our faith into practice. You may be waiting for the blessing that God has promised, but the reason he's not delivering is because you're not willing to put your faith into actions right away. You're not willing to sell out and say, I am obedient no matter the cost. And when we get to that point, when we get to that struggle, when we get to that situation, then I believe we miss out on the greatest blessing. Remember, go back to James chapter 1, verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. A lot of times we get in the practice of just simply listening to the word and thinking that's the way it's going to be. When God wants to take your works and activate your faith, to mature your faith, to grow your faith, that as I obediently follow God and I do what he's called me to do, as a result, my faith is perfected. My faith is matured. My faith is growing so that I can be obedient to God in every test, in every trial, in every circumstance, so that the perseverance, when it plays out, that perseverance must finish this work so that I may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Listen, what the world needs now is not more Bible studies and, and thought processes and, 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 and more deep theology. Listen to me. Theology is important. I'm going to have somebody who's going to go, oh my gosh, he's not saying, don't, don't, don't study theology. I'm not saying that at all. But what the world needs now, what the world has always needed, is a people who study deeply to know and love and be obedient to God's word, who follow it, who know the theology, but also put it in to practice. It does no good to know it if you're not going to practice it. So I've got to practice. I've got to put my faith into actions. See, many of us are waiting for that blessing. And God is only going to delay that blessing until, listen, until we put our faith into actions. Listen, God wants to bless you. God wants to be with you. God wants to give you every bit of everything that you can experience. Remember, you are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So here's how I want to wrap up today. What is it God is calling you to do to put your faith into actions? 
because we could pray about it. We can tell somebody, I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to pray for you. But how do you practically put your faith into actions? Let me pray. Well, Father, we thank you uh, for the beauty of your word. We thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ that we know that it is by grace through faith we are saved. In other words, it's not by works. We're not, we don't earn salvation based upon the works that we do. But God, our faith is perfected. Our faith is maturing. Our faith is growing as we put that faith into actions, as we let the, the works in our life show what we believe to those who are around us. God, may we be a shining light on a hill. May we not hide it under a bushel, but may we be the one who stands out in front of you, who stands out in front of people and speaks the truth of the gospel with love, and we live it out through our actions. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.